Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. This episode of the Productivity is Podcast is brought to you by SaneBox. Clean up your inbox now with SaneBox. SaneBox learns what email is important to you and filters out what isn't. I use it every single day and I'm not alone. It's going to save you from endless interruptions, so give SaneBox a try now. 
Listen to this episode and you'll get a special code on how you can get a credit for your new SaneBox account. Now let's get on with the show. I had a chance to hang out with Alan Brown in late 2016 in San Diego uh, when I was working and speaking and attending a conference. And Alan is a a fantastic guy. I actually got a chance to know him in Atlanta. We're going to talk a bit more about that during the episode, which is called The Inner Game of Productivity. And uh, there's a lot of really cool things that Al and I dive into uh, during this episode. He talks about, you know, this book called The Inner Game of Tennis. It's kind of a seminal title that was released in the year I was born and it kind of birthed modern day uh, personal coaching. So we're going to talk about the idea of how we can have all the planners and apps and gadgets and know-how and all that stuff, but the inner game can negate all of that. And I talk about that a lot in my work. Alan dives deep into that, as well as a whole bunch of other things during this episode. So let's just get to it. Here's my conversation with Alan Brown about the inner game of productivity on the Productivityist podcast. Enjoy. Alan Brown and I are going to crush it right now. I think we're going to crush it with this with this uh, discussion. Uh, Alan, thanks for joining me today. That's fantastic to be here. Great to uh, be with you. So Alan and I had the chance to meet back in Atlanta at the uh, at the uh, NAPO conference, the National Association of Professional Organizers conference, back in uh, in 2016, and uh, we had a we had a great time connecting uh, over over dinner and drinks. I think is when we spent most of our time connecting. Not really at the event so much, though, right? Yeah, no, true. Uh, we were both speakers, and we were both running around the place as usual. We were. Uh, fortunate to have a, a mutual friend, and that was a great dinner. I, I learned a lot about all the many things you know, which is pretty freaky, but we won't get into that. No, I want to talk about diving a little bit deeper into some of the stuff that, that was related to what you do, but let's get, I want to give like kind of the, the overview of, of who you are, what you do. So for those of my audience members who don't know who you are, how they can learn a little bit, like what you do and, and, and where they can go to kind of find a little bit more about you before we dive into something even deeper than that. Well, I um, I was an ad exec for uh, a, a good number of years, uh, undiagnosed with ADHD, and I got started in my career late because uh, I was partly because I was undiagnosed with ADHD. For most of my twenties, I was a drug addict and uh, uh, underachieving to to say the least. And I finally got cleaned up. I got a job in the advertising business, big agency in New York. Very excited about that, and I started busting my butt to try to you know catch up for that decade that I lost. And I was making very average progress. Uh, and about six years in, I'm 36 years old, and uh, somebody gave me a gift of an audiobook because they knew I wasn't a good reader. And the audiobook was Deepak Chopra's Seven Secrets of Spiritual Success. And in it, you could argue there's some woo-woo in there, but in it, uh, he teaches a simple method for quieting your mind. And for an undiagnosed ADD, this was sort of a godsend. And I, I learned to quiet my mind a little bit. I, I learned a few other what I call brain hacks um, to be able to just sort of manage my ADHD enough to, to perform a little bit better. And then not long after that, I got my diagnosis of ADHD. And this explained a lot. I was, of course, self-medicating when I was in my 20s. That's helped explain the drug and alcohol use. Uh, but this really, really uh, rocket shipped my career. Within two years, I went from mid five figures uh, and kind of a lowly executive to vice president, uh, employee of the year, 
of the biggest office of the biggest ad agency in the country at the time. And in my spare time that year, I actually co-founded a startup that was sold later for eight figures. So it's a real, what I call a mess to success story. Um, some years later, um, realizing during my diagnosis process that um, many ADDers can't read very well. Um, and uh, I couldn't understand why there weren't multimedia tools to teach uh, coping mechanism, coping strategies. And so I created something called ADD Crusher, which are videos and audio tools for teens and, and uh, adults with ADHD. And then last year, I wanted to expand my audience to anyone who's seeking higher productivity, less stress, getting more done in less time. And I created Crusher TV at CrusherTV.com where each week uh, I have an episode that teaches productivity brain hacks, and we will have a guest expert on. We've had uh, Mike Vardy on the show. That was a fantastic episode. Uh, and it's a, it's a membership, um, and it's a community, and that's what I've been really focused on for the last uh, year, a little bit more than a year. Let's talk about the brain hacks because I think that's – so define we've, – we've had a chance to chat about this when I was down in San Diego, and you and I had a really interesting conversation about the idea of what a brain hack is because there's so many – I mean there's so many different, quote, definitions for it. And I think, again, it, become, it comes down to like a personalized ideal of what a, a brain hack is. So could you, could you kind of dive into what you uh, would describe as a brain hack? Sure. I mean you actually turned me on to a book called Mind Hacking by Sir John Hargreaves. Uh, yes, yes. And I actually just started reading that, or I should say trying to read. I, I'm a very poor reader, so I'm about four pages in on that after a week or so. But um, when so whether it's mind hack or brain hack, if we think about a computer hacker, this is somebody who goes into someone else's system, throws some switches, and then gains some advantage from doing that, right? Now, we all are familiar with Tim Ferriss, who is perhaps the most well-known life hacker. He goes into an existing system and finds a way for you to either you know, learn tango dancing in two weeks or learn how to uh, rent a posh flat in the hippest section of Berlin for a month uh, and live there, uh, all costs included, for 300 bucks or something like that. So he goes into the systems of life, shows you how to hack those for some kind of advantage. Well, a brain hack, you're just going into your own brain and flipping some switches. They can be external inputs, by the way, and we're going to talk briefly about food and uh, uh, sleep and exercise. But uh, mostly it's just ways that you view things, uh, your attitude toward things, um, and your own awareness of uh, your own stress levels and uh, the barriers to action that you have. And you can just throw simple switches, hack your brain to open the door to action and more accomplishment. I, I want to talk about when you get to the point of diving into these brain hacks and, and kind of, you know, tapping into that. There's this this topic area that you and I want to talk about today, which, again, we've had conversations over, but it's, it's something that I think is really great to share with the audience. It's like kind of the, the inner game of productivity. And you you brought up, a, a, it, when we were kind of setting things up, this, this book called The Inner Game of Tennis. And, I you know, I'd never actually heard of this book before until you mentioned it. And I don't know if a lot – but it, it basically – you say it's kind of birthed the modern day idea of personal coaching. Can you kind of dive into that before we dive into the inner game of productivity? You bet. So the inner game of tennis was really a seminal book. Uh, came out in 1974. I only kind of, I'm not a big reader, so I only knew about it because when I was in college, uh, um, another student in a, in a political science class I did, did a treatise on this book. 
Um, and that's how I learned of the book. It's written by a guy named Timothy Galway, and he was a tennis teacher, tennis instructor, and he teach, he taught top athletes. And he sort of recognized at, at some point that the instructor just saying, don't do this, do more of that, pull your arm back further, throw the ball higher, et cetera, which was basically what coaching did at the time. Um, it was kind of just, you know, a, a monologue. It was a one-way street. What he realized what this was, this was actually inhibiting the athlete in many instances. Uh, that, you know, you can't just keep telling a student, you know, do do more of this, do less of that, et cetera, because it's ultimately not allowing the student to organically create new habits. And, you know, the analogy to coaching, you think about what, for instance, Michael Bungay Stanier mm. uh, said uh, in says in his book, he was a guest on your show. Um, he talked about how in, in coaching, you're really not telling your client what to do. You are drawing it from them. So there's a great analogy to be had there. Um, so, you know, the, the power of change really needs to be discovered from within and perhaps not surprisingly, um, this, this guy, Timothy Galway was heavily influenced by Zen Buddhism, awareness of self being fully present in one's body and mind. And Galway also talks about how, you know, knowledge is one thing, putting it into action is another. And another theme of his is, is kind of, uh, you know, sheer willpower and positive thinking are not the optimal path. To optimal performance, um, kind of you know, brute force doesn't always win the day. And he's gone on to write a number of other inner game books, the inner game, the inner inner skiing, the inner game of golf. He's got one um, that uh, I think was written in 2000 or so that I just got. Uh, it's called the Inner Game of Work, and I've just I've been about three weeks on it, and I'm on page 25. Did, did I tell you I'm not that good at reading? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but he uses the same principles and applies them to these various other areas. And I believe I just saw when I when I kind of was reminded of this book title that, uh, you know, this is so with productivity because we can have all the planners. And, you know, this, Mike, this is part mm -hmm. of your philosophy. You can have all the planners, the apps, the gadgets, even the know how. But if we don't have an inner game, uh, if we, you know, self-awareness. Uh, uh, we negate all of that stuff. And you speak, for instance, of attention versus intention. I've, I've heard you say something along the lines of mm -hmm. the power of intention is a misnomer. And, you know, you think about all the barriers there are to us acting on our intention and our knowledge. And some of the most daunting are in our own brain. And they are just ripe for some brain hacks. Why are so many people, I mean, and I guess in, in what have you done? And then I'll dive into the why, uh, why you think, but uh, boundary setting. I mean, I think that's one of the things that will help you with this inner game of productivity and help you win the inner game of productivity, or at least compete, <laughs> with, uh, is the idea of setting boundaries. I just, you know, I, I speak to clients a lot and I speak to my audience a lot about the idea of setting boundaries and then respecting them yourself. So for example, uh, the, the, the book Deep Work by Cal Newport, who you, and you and I have talked about it, uh, you know, the idea of deep work is something that I, I think is, is highly valuable, but often, you know, not, not paid attention to because, you know, we've got so many things going on and how, how can we possibly set aside time for that kind of thing? But I've done, and anyone who's listening to the Patreon episodes or is a Patreon supporter knows that I've, I've done a bonus episode on my idea of a deep work day. And when I, when I stopped the, the book deal that I had, uh, I took the book writing day and turned it into a deep work day, and I basically shut out the world that day. There is no booking appointments with Mike, whether it's coaching or interviews or whatever. There is no – I mean, and, and I've set up these little – 
waypoints where in my Google Calendar it says deep work day. In my acuity scheduling, it's there's no way anyone can book time with me. If I get a, a text message from a buddy of mine, which I got actually this week saying, hey, would you like to go for lunch on Friday? I can immediately say no. And he's a good enough buddy. I can say, no, nah, it's my deep work day. And he goes, okay, never mind. I get it. Uh, <laughs> you know, so how how – how have you set up boundaries to kind of allow you to win the inner game of productivity? And why do you think it's so important to do so? Well, for me, you know, and to me, this, this speaks to the, that inner game and mm. the self-awareness. I mean, I've done a couple of episodes of Crusher TV just on time vampires. And so, you know, think about it, for instance, you have very wisely set on your calendar. You've blocked out these deep work times. I've done the same 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. every single day. That's my those are my power hours for writing. And I've got those blocked off. But if we don't have full awareness of time vampires, um, things like, uh, you know, knowing that those texts may very well come in. Uh, you know, being able to uh, uh, cordon off our emails, uh, because even one that slips through or even one ding of that bell is enough to pull you out of, of what you're doing. Even if you're not striving to get to Cal Newport's uh, notion of this pure, you know, crystalline, amazing, deep work, which I've, I'm, I'm able to do some of the times, but not all the time. But there are also, you mentioned a, a buddy of yours, there are also people that are around us that are time vampires. And the important thing about time vampires is, you don't realize that they're eating your time. So you have to work hard to get awareness, what I call time vampire awareness, to be able to fend them off. Another another time vampire is your to-do list itself. Um, you, I'm sure you've talked with your uh, audience before about the Zygarnik effect, the, uh, the mm-hmm. concept that, that a to-do list with a bunch of undone to-dos on it is actually drawing attention and energy away from you um, because it is uh, – it's such a negative that's sitting there. And even if you are sitting down in a single tasking session, uh, if you're not aware of that phenomenon, uh, you're losing uh, energy to it. We are going to take a step back from the conversation to talk about this week's sponsor, the sponsor of this episode, SaneBox. And SaneBox is a tool I've been using for quite a while. Speaking of the inner game of productivity, uh, I can get in my own way. And email can get in your way as well. Email is a constant source of distraction, disruption, diversion, and SaneBox can help you with that. Bring sanity back to your email inbox. And one of the things that it offers is that filtering, the idea of helping you cope with email overload, and it lets you focus on what's important without missing a thing. That's what SaneBox does. It learns your email behavior. There's smart and simple filtering that they uh, they offer, and I've been using that. I actually use the, the lunch plan, which is the, it monitors two of my email inboxes, which is great, but the one that monitors the most is my professional one, the productivity is one. And it, I've been teaching SaneBox, and it gets really good at learning what you want to see and what you don't. Um, it works on mobile platforms. So even though I use a tool like Newton as my as my email app on my phone and on my iPad, it, SaneBox works within that. And so I'm able to kind of go through those folders as I see fit. And there are lots of little filtered folders that I use, Sane Later, which is the primary one that you get. Um, of course, there's Sane News. So any of the newsletters that come my way filter into the Sane News box. If you're a subscriber to the Productivities Weekly, Rather than like have it go into your main inbox where it may not be something you want to see right away, have it go to your sane news folder. And that way you can see it when you're ready to read the news, when you're in reading mode. There's also Sane Digest where you get to see a summary of the activity that SaneBox has helped you with in terms of email. So you can see all the latest unimportant emails then if you want. You can look at the upcoming reminders through Sane Reminders that are going on, all from Sane Digest. And 
Again, it's custom training. You can have emails go into a custom folder like I do with my three-mail workflow where all of my emails that I decide I'm going to work with on a different day, they go to that folder and then they bounce back to the inbox on that particular day. There's also some some paid folders. So if you're interested in the paid plan, which, you know, again, uh, I love it. Uh, the idea of being able to get a sane forward. So you can train messages in a sane forward folder to forward to like Evernote or any any anyone you want them to forward to. So if you're going to be uh, seeing emails that need to go to a specific person on your team, you can forward them that way with Sane Forward. You can move your attachments to the cloud, which is fantastic. But one of the ones I'm using right now, because right now I'm in the Philippines as, as this episode comes to, to air, I have one called Sane Vacation. So I can snooze my emails until the vacation's over and then you know, get back to work and see those emails come back into my inbox once my vacation is over. And you can also defer emails till you're ready too, whether it's vacation or otherwise. So there's lots of really great things that Sane has, SaneBox has to offer, and uh, I'm just scratching the surface of it. I've really only scratched the surface of it myself, but I want you to give it a try right now. Go to SaneBox.com slash Vardy. You'll get a $25 credit when you sign up for a new SaneBox account, and there's a 14-day free trial in there too, so you can put it through the paces and see what SaneBox can do for you. I I know it's brought sanity back to my email management, and I know it can do the same for you. If Tony Robbins uses it, if Mike Vardy uses it, if David Sparks uses it, again, kind of putting us all in the same category, and corporations across the globe use it, you should give it a try too. Again, sanebox.com slash Vardy. Get that $25 credit. Get starting with SaneBox today. Get started with SaneBox today. Rather, I'm so excited about it. I can't help but uh, can't help but um, exude that uh, through this through this little ad spot here. Uh Get started with SaneBox today. You'll, you'll really get a kick out of it. It's going to bring sanity back to your email inbox. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk a little bit more about the idea of, of what, what you can do to fuel your brain to kind of get that to have that inner game because I mean again like like tennis like golf like any athletic pursuit uh, you know obviously you have to have fuel you have to make sure you're in the right uh, type of uh, conditioning to be able to win that game but the brain needs that too what do you do I mean are you into like the nootropics and stuff like that like I have bulletproof coffee every Sunday morning it's the only time I, I I have it consistently because I go for my walk and I have a bulletproof coffee and that's kind of the only time I really do that do you have like nootropics set up or do you do other things that kind of prime your brain for this kind of this kind of ability to to you know compete and win at the inner game of productivity i really i mostly do kind of an old school the basics um protein is my neurotropic if you will um the uh you know it's it's so it's so funny uh the first thing that i ask of uh coaching clients is is your brain properly fed to fuel your productivity pursuit right now. Because again, you can have all the tools, all the desire, all the knowledge in the world uh, ready to go, ready to burst out of your soul. Uh, but if you haven't fueled your brain with, for instance, 30 grams of protein in your stomach, and instead, if you have put a bunch of carbs and sugar in your stomach, that's not brain fuel, uh, at least not for uh, the long term or for a good stretch of a single tasking session. Uh, you know, other just general nutrition like vitamin D is increasingly research is showing us that vitamin T, vitamin D, the, the sunshine drug is actually uh, helpful for our short term memory and cognitive uh, uh, acuity and also omegas. There's no surprise uh, on that. But then there's, of course, the basics of sleep and exercise. And if you are not getting uh, your good seven to eight hours of sleep, if you're someone who needs that much, 
um, you know, you need to be doing some power naps because if you're, again, the brute force thing, you could be brute forcing your productivity and just trying to push through everything, but uh, you're not going to get the same returns as if you were, for instance, taking a power nap here and there, or even just doing a very brief meditation to rest that churning, churning wheel uh, in your mind. And then the last one of the diet sleep exercise is, is exercise. Uh, just a general movement. There's an author named uh, Dr. John Rady from Harvard Medical School who wrote a book called Spark. I think the subtitle is the, the Revolutionary New Science of Exercise and the Brain or something like that. He's got a great quote that exercise creates a chemical uh, that is like miracle grow for your brain. And that is neurotropic brain factor, which uh, I'm sure you've heard of. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those are, I know this very prosaic, you know, kind of the basic diet, exercise, sleep stuff. It's not sexy, but it's actually starting to get sexy. You know, uh, Ariana Huffington's uh, most recent book is The Sleep Revolution. So people are bringing more and more attention to how diet, exercise, and sleep affects your productivity by affecting how well or not well your brain is fed. So that's why I always say that the very first thing with a new coaching client, what's in your tummy? Because that's what's going to be in your brain. What do you kind of use to keep tabs on these things? Because, I mean, yeah, you're right. With it, We can have all the planners and apps in the world. And, I mean, I obviously teach a methodology that works for me. And it took it, – it wasn't something that happened overnight. And it's evolved. Even to this day, there are elements of it that kind of evolve and are personalized. It's the whole idea why we talk about personal productivity here. What what do you use to kind of keep things, especially since you you you're, you do have you know you have ADHD, and I know that lists are a big thing for ADHD people because it kind of keeps them moving forward and tracking in the way that they want to, so they can move things forward. Well, I've got I've got a whole bunch of brain hacks, and I hope we can squeeze a few of them in here. Sure, uh, but. You know, I, I got to tell you a, a big thing. And it's funny, we were talking at the very top of the show about how we uh, we met over a dinner uh, in Atlanta. And I was just kind of blown away by uh, no matter what the conversation had kind of turned to. Here's Mike with this encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> whatever the hell. it was. Oh, yeah. Well, I was a DJ and blah, blah, blah. And I can tell you like every band says, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. NFL. I can tell. Oh, yeah. World professional wrestling. I know every wrestler. Blah, 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 blah. It just goes on. But so, you know, you are an information addict. You just love this stuff and you love to put it together. And, um, you know, I know that you, you know, you could, you could talk to me every day of the week and never run out of books to suggest to me that I haven't even heard of, but think about, you know, how many folks that we know who are actually content addicts, right? And we pat ourselves on the back for, yeah, now I got that book or yeah, I listened to the productivity is podcast. And I listened to this one and that one. And you are just, you know, uh, dumping and dumping more and more information to yourself, but you're not spending enough time planning and executing, let, you know, planning execution rather, let, let alone executing. And that's, you know, that's all inner game stuff, because if, if you can recognize that there's a point at which you've got to stop the intake and start the output, I, I, it's kind of relates to, uh, uh, your your tagline, you know, stop guessing and start going. And I think a lot of folks need to get that inner awareness that uh, sometimes, you know, they are, again, they're just kind of patting themselves on the back for having done all this stuff, but they're scratching their head as to why is it that I know all this stuff and things aren't changing? You know, related to that is, you know, we think that by absorbing 10 new trips, uh, tips or hacks, that we're going to execute 10 new tips or hacks, and then we're going to have 10 more, 10 times more productivity. And the research, as you know, Mike just says otherwise. Is the you know there's the paradox of choice, 
which is, you know, when you've got you know, 18 things in front of you, chances are you won't pick any of them uh, as opposed to if there are just four things in front of you. And then there's, you know, the, the research that says that when you just identify three things that you're going to work on today, what mm. I call my three biggies, um, you know, you've got, let's say, an I forget what the stat is, but some 80% chance of banging out one of them if you just pick three. But once you go up to seven, nine, or 11, you get down to a zero per chance, zero percent chance of executing anyone, any one of them. So that's another big, big one for me. That's not really uh, a brain hack, uh, but I suppose you could say a brain hack is to fish or cut bait, <laughs> uh, or as we would say back in New Jersey, bleep or get off the pot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to, I want to wrap things up with, with some quick wins that people can do right away. You know, kind of up their game and start to, you know, level up in terms of the brain hacks they can do. And I know you want to share some with me. So can you give us, uh, you talked about the three biggies. I call them my three absolutes. Can you give maybe some three quick wins that people could do? Start, like as soon as they're done finishing listening to this episode, they could take away and say, okay, I'm doing that. This is a, a low, low, low bandwidth, high yield kind of stuff that I can do. You got it. Okay. So look, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a busy aspiring person. And you've probably got a lot of things you want to do. And in fact, your to-do list or your calendar or whatever may be filled with all kinds of stuff. And it can be paralyzing in that when you look at it, you're like, wow, there is so much stuff I want to get done or I need to get done, et cetera. And one simple brain hack, whenever you feel any of that kind of overwhelm, just ask yourself, is there a problem right here in the now are any of these to-dos really actually going to jump up and punch me in the face or really bite me in the ass if I don't dispatch with them right now? Because if any of them are a problem, then dispatch with it, right? Get it out of the way. But 99.9% of the time, we sit down for a work session or whatever, and we get this kind of you know stress, this feeling of unease. And that's not productive because it's cutting oxygen to our brain. It's increasing, it's sending cortisol through our veins, which does all kinds of negative things. It shuts down our frontal lobe, which is where the executive function is. So, and this is Eckhart Tolle, uh, really another great audio book that that really changed my life, um, where you just stop and ask yourself, all right, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, edgy here because of all the stuff I need to do. Is there any problem here in the now? And once you can answer that honestly and say, no, there is no problem here in the now. And in fact, none of these things have to get done right now. Boom, your body chemistry changes. You can feel the stress leave your shoulders or your solar plexus or wherever it does collect for you. So there's one very simple thing. Another one is once we have to start, we've begun working on an important task, perhaps even one that we've been putting off because it's a big, really important one is we are going to be tempted to be pulled away from it. And not just from external things like somebody's going to knock on a door or my phone is going to ring or my email bell is going to ding. Obviously, those things should all be shut off if you're in a real single tasking session. But once we get underway, we, we go, oh, that's right. I remembered I was going to do so-and-so. So let me just first do that. I'm just going to re- reply to that text. Okay. All right. Let me get back to this now. Okay. Oh, you know what? I was going to reply to that email. Let me just, but first, let me just do this first. And then, but first, let me just make another cup of coffee, et cetera, et cetera. It's this, this kind of but first syndrome. And also the fact that we have this myth of this complete dis, uh, um, what is it, a delusion that we can multitask and be productive. And I don't have to tell our listeners here that the folly of that, because everyone here probably knows well that the research says that's a, that's a joke. But how do we psychologically fend off all this stuff? And what we fail tend to fail to do 
is make a hard distinction between the one thing that I have decided to do now and all the other possible things that could come and come into my mind or walk into my office or pop up on my screen. And it seems like overly simple, but if you actually do make that hard distinction, you decide the one thing you're going to work on, I actually take a fresh sticky and I write to-do list at the top of that sticky. And then I write down that one thing. I peel that off. I put it down on a clean, clear table and I look at it and I say, that is what I'm doing now. And then when the text pops up or I think of that thing that I was, I meant to do, I label it. That is BS and it's not what I'm doing now. I mean, literally, I put a blue and white label on that thing. Um, so I've made this hard distinction, this, this, this kind of aggressive distinction. This is what I'm doing now. And whatever else comes in my mind is easy to la- easier now to label. That's not what I'm doing now. Now, you may ask, well, what if something important, you know, what if the boss pops his head in or what if I, you know, remembered, oh, my God, there's this really big, big, important thing that I forgot I was supposed to do. Well, if it's not urgent. It's still not what you're doing now, and chances mm. are it's not going to be urgent, so you label that. Well, that's important, but it's still not what I'm doing now. And then you put write a little sticky that says, don't forget to do so-and-so. So this one brain hack, which I've been doing for 20 years and has had more impact on my career uh, trajectory, and I would probably say, and I've thought about this a lot, I would probably say it's responsible for 25% of my current net wealth. And I'm not just blowing smoke. It's that powerful if you actually make it happen and actually just witness yourself as you are working on something, you're writing an email or you're even in a conference room in a, in a meeting, watch yourself dart off to all these many things. If you were to forcefully say, no, this is what I'm doing now and everything else is either BS or important, but not what I'm doing now, that is a wonderful brain hack to be able to, to master as a habit. Alan, this has been chock full of stuff. And I'm not surprised at all because your episodes of Crusher TV are chock full of actionable uh, exercises and just incredible information and insights. So thanks for joining me this week on the show. Can you tell people what they can do to learn more from you and hear more from you down the road? Sure. Well, stop by CrusherTV.com. Check it out. You can watch some previews uh, of the shows there. If you want to be in touch with me, you can reach me at info at CrusherTV.com and also follow us at at Real Crusher TV. Some bozo grabbed Crusher TV. Uh, <laughs> we are we are at and they, of course, they don't use it. It's completely inactive, but we are at Real Crusher TV. It'd be great to see you follow us. All right. Thanks for joining me today, Alan. Great to be here. Thanks. And that wraps up this week's episode of the show. Big thanks to Alan Brown for joining me this week on the show. You can find all the stuff we talked about in the show notes. And, uh, you know, I mean, I love chatting with him. He's actually making an appearance, and he may already have made an appearance, depending on when you're listening to this, in the Patreon feed, which is a feed of bonus episodes that go out to the supporters of the Productivity Podcast. And if you're interested in hearing all of the bonus episodes that I've got out there from guests from past episodes and episodes that are forthcoming, actually. There's some people have already been on the Patreon feed that you you haven't heard in the public feed yet. Head over to patreon.com slash productivityist and become a patron today. There are different levels of uh, support that you can offer. You get perks at different levels. Uh, there's the Patreon Slack community where conversations go on in there. In fact, there's one going on as I'm recording this right now that's talking about like the different apps people use. And it's a really great community. It's thriving over there. So uh, again, for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show and help 
me make the show better and better just by, you know, adding more, better artwork and, 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 you know, uh, the show notes, uh, they've improved vastly because of the Patreon support that I've got. So again, patreon.com slash productivityist and, uh, support, uh, at whatever level you feel comfortable. Now, if you can't support monetarily, that's totally fine. I, I, I totally get that, but I'd love to get your feedback on the show regardless. Give a rating, offer a review in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. So that way I can work hard to make the show better. You know, I'm, I'm spending the next few weeks off traveling for work, uh, as well as a bit for pleasure. Uh, while I'm gone, I'm still going to be checking out this feedback just so I can figure out how to make the show better going forward. And I'm also passing that feedback on to the podcast producer who without him, I couldn't make this show happen. John Polstra, big thanks to John for joining me uh, and and helping me make this podcast better and better. Uh, That's it for this week's episode. Again, thanks so much to all of you for listening. Thanks to all my Patreon supporters for supporting the show. And thanks to everyone who's been tuning in for a long time, or those of you just showing up for the first time. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the founder of Productivityist and host of the Productivityist podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. Hold on a second. Before I go, got to offer big thanks to SaneBox for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. Head over to SaneBox.com slash Vardy and get that $25 credit and also start bringing sanity back to your email inbox today.